So we are picking up from Genesis chapter 9 and verse 18. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tent of Shem. And may Canaan be his slave. So interesting, the focus uh, seems to be now on the sons of Noah. So the sons of Noah were, <laughs> and it ends up with Noah uh, cursing one of the sons for dishonoring him, for pointing out his nakedness. Uh, but what we have here is the persistence of sin post this salvation and this uh, regeneration and this recreation in Genesis chapter 8 after the flood. So God has already judged the world. God's already recreated the world and saved Noah, but sin persists. And more than that, um, there is a repetition of the sin of Noah. This is almost the fall 2.0, the same way that Adam and his wife fell in the garden. So um, the same themes of that fall we see here in Noah, you know, nakedness, the shame, but also um, the cursing. Uh, it's interesting that Noah himself pronounces this curse on his son. You know, back in Genesis 3, God pronounces the curse, but here Noah takes it upon himself to curse his own sons. And I guess anyone reading this passage uh, the temptation is to ask, you know, who's the bad guy? You know, is it, you know, uh, what did um, uh, Ham do that uh, was so bad that um, Noah had to curse him? You know, maybe he sinned in this way, so we don't want to sin in that way. Or is it Noah who sinned? You know, this is the first thing that Noah has said in the entire Bible. Right up to this point, Noah has been completely silent and the only time he opens his mouth, it's to speak these very, very terrible words to curse his son and all that particular son's generation, you know, um, from Ham and then to Canaan. So um, let's just go through it again. And I think what I'll do is I try to notice the connections again between this fall and the original one, 
and see any similarities, any differences. So verse 18, again, the sons of Noah, and he mentions them. The sons of Noah came out of the ark, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then particularly mentions Ham as the father of Canaan. And I guess, um, interesting, uh, uh, because later on when um, uh, Noah curses Ham, he actually curses Ham's descendant, Canaan. So there's a kind of passing down of this curse, passing down of this sin beyond just his immediate child, Ham. Uh, and he repeats again, verse 18, these were the three sons of Noah. Uh, and from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. So all peoples, all generations find their roots from one of these three descendants of Noah. It's trying to say that all civilizations, you know, all the peoples of the earth, including us, you know, we have some kind of link to these three generations um, there's something to be careful about that because then you try to say, oh, am I from, you know, the line of um, Ham and Canaan, you know, and therefore am I the one that's cursed and then, or am I the one that's blessed from the one that's the line of Shem? And that's where you get the Semitic peoples, you know, the Shem, Semitic, and that's where you then get the line of the Jews. Um, but we need to be very, very careful about this because um, the theme throughout Genesis so far, it's been tracing down these lines, these generations to find the line that's blessed, the line that is cursed, the sons of God as opposed to the sons of, well, um, the line of uh, the devil. It's meant to say that um, there's a kind of lineage that comes by grace and grace alone. So the one that's cursed is not that you're then forever cursed down there, but that you inherit sin, that sin is passed down generation to generation. But then the one that's blessed is the one that's looking for the son that is blessed. God pronounces that one day there would be a solution to sin, a salvation to sin that will come through a particular son. So this is tracing the line down that eventually leads to Jesus. And so if we are to trace whether we are blessed or not is to find a connection, not just to this line, but particularly to this particular son through Jesus. That's how we find that connection to God's blessing through these lines. But I digress, that's a very, very long tangent. But just to be aware of that, uh, because there have been very uncomfortable instances in history where people have used these lines to justify um, acts of, slavery and discrimination. And uh, that's something we want to be very, very careful, but also aware of. Okay, um, focus back on Noah, verse 20. Noah, a man of a soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. And the idea is Noah then takes on the characteristic of Adam. He is the new Adam, representing the new humanity. Adam was a gardener, you know, he worked the soil. So Noah now becomes a man of the soil, just like his father, Adam. And he plants a vineyard. Again, he works in his garden. And when he drank some of his wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside this tent. And um, I guess there's that picture again of that nakedness and um, uh, that Adam and Eve had in the garden. But he does this privately inside his tent. 
what happens is verse 22, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his brothers outside. So the emphasis again on the outside, you know, Ham actually went in, you know, invaded his father's privacy in, in a sense. And just kind of like, I guess uh, the implication here is that he uh, pointed it out, this shame, this nakedness, and then uh, was trying to, you know, make fun of it with his brothers, to his brothers. But also, again, he keeps mentioning Ham, the father of Canaan, Ham, the father of Canaan. Verse 23, his two brothers don't join in this shame pointing. Verse 23, but Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, then walked in backwards and covered their nakedness, their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. Okay, so it repeats the words nakedness, you know, cover their father's nakedness. They didn't want to see their father's nakedness. But also the idea of backwards. They walked in backwards, their faces were faced backwards. So they were trying their best to cover their father's shame but also not to turn away from their father's shame. So they wanted to honor their father by not pointing out his nakedness. And that was their immediate reaction. They see something that was um, maybe, you know, you could easily point out, make fun of, and said to cover it up and not to draw attention to it like their brother Ham did. And Noah's response uh, was actually anger. It wasn't so much to bless his son, although he does bless Shem, but his immediate reaction was anger and uh, cursing. Verse 24, when Noah awoke from his wine, found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan. Not Ham, <laughs> but Ham's son, Canaan. Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. Um, not sure what to make of this. And interesting as well, verse 24, found out what his youngest son, so Ham is the youngest son, but it keeps mentioning Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So it keeps mentioning Ham as the second, but actually now Ham is the youngest son. I'm not sure it's because he's been degraded or that you know for some reason he's always mentioned as the middle child. But um, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. But uh, what's interesting is he curses his grandson, Canaan. And this curse means that this grandson will always be a slave to his two brothers. So he goes on, verse 26, six, uh, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And that's significant because um, he blesses God. It's not so much that he blesses Shem, but he blesses God and how God is somehow the God of Shem. And then he, he highlights that relationship that Shem had and maybe how Shem maybe acted in a way that God does when he sees our sin, he covers it, you know, he, he, he turns away from it and he uh, gives us a way to deal with our sin. And hence, maybe that's why he is the God of Shem. You know, Shem acts in a way that his God does. And as a result of that, Canaan will be a slave of Shem. And also verse 27, Canaan will be a slave of Japheth as well. And also in uh, mentioning Japheth, verse 27, Japheth will live in the tents of Shem. So Shem is not going to be son number one, the most blessed son who has a relationship with God, who is now blessed by his father Noah. 
and will also provide for his younger brother Japheth. But what do we see from here? Um, it is a very, very tricky passage. Um, I'm reminded of the saying, don't ever meet your heroes. <laughs> you just be disappointed. And I think it's kind of how this is um, the real Noah, you know, saved by God. He's supposed to be the most righteous person in the earth, you know, walked blameless before God. He's still sinful. And when you look deep enough, uh, even his reactions, you know, it goes over the top. Um, yeah, you know, I, th I think, you know, I think if you have a hero, um, maybe even your pastor, I think there's just something to be aware that we are all sinners. And it isn't meant to be an excuse when we do sin in a way that is, again, overtly sinful, but it's just worth then reflecting on how God is gracious to even such people who has received his grace. You know, um, that even Noah who's been saved still needs that change, that regeneration through God's grace. Um, it also talks about how uh, sin, again, I mentioned is persisted, it's passed down, and sin is a real problem that hasn't yet be dealt, had been dealt with uh, through the flood. You know, um, everyone else is killed, but Noah is still alive. And because of Noah, sin is still alive. You know, God needs to do something that it's even more radical than destroying the entire world. It shows just how radical God's salvation needs to be to deal with a radical problem like sin. Uh, anything else that we see here? You know, making fun of your dad, maybe? <laughs> I know I, I, I sometimes have to watch myself, you know, when I make these videos, and I'm not sure we've seen them. I make uh, funny videos, just real life videos with my dad. And sometimes, you know, uh, you poke fun at your uh, old man or at your parents because they say, you know, very honest things, very open things with you. And I think uh, that kind of openness or that kind of nakedness, we should not take advantage of. You know, we need, just need to be aware then we have access to people in a way that they're being vulnerable before us. You know, um, we will see sites that won't always be perfect and we need to be extra gracious because of that. We need to be, uh, as how Shem does, you know, covering over that sin rather than using it as material for YouTube or uh, things to be critiquing about overly so, but to be maybe even more generous, even more forgiving, even more loving because we have that relationship, all the more so, you know, with one another in Christ, you know, um, if we are um, growing together in the church, we have that relationship, maybe you see each other very often through Bible study, or we have that contact with one another. The longer you go, th go through that relationship, the more you will have access to one another's life, and the more you'll need to be loving and patient and bearing with one another in love. I think there's probably a verse in that yeah, from Ephesians. But the way in which God helps us to grow in this love, in this patience, is by surrounding us by people who we have access to and even witness to their sides that aren't perfect. And so, um, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, I've stretched it out very, very much already. <laughs> Maybe I'll end with a prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you give us a real solution to our sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. And we look at him who is sinless, who is loving and patient and forgiving towards us. He takes our sin upon himself and he covers us with his righteousness. And so Lord, would you cover our nakedness?
would you cover our shamefulness and would you give us that grace and just that sensibility to not be too quick to point out the faults of others when we see their sin, but to want to cover them as well with that same grace and that same blood of Jesus that is able to cleanse us from our sin. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.